What is going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to Marriage Mondays here on the Gravity Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Chris. And I'm your other host, Jamie. And we're trying something a little new. It's unscripted story time. Which Jamie's super excited about with unscripted portion. She's a little bit less of the... She's more organized in this regard. She likes there to be... I need to know what we're about to talk about. And I just want to hit record and just like talk. So we're doing what Chris wants today. So what are we... What's this episode going to be about? This is about a piece of our story. Yes, a piece of our story. And it's episode 100. So it's like a... CN! It's a double... It's a double exciting episode. I don't... Okay. This is going to be rough. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know, Jim. What do you think? Do we give us a shot? Absolutely. Here we go. As promised, we are here to talk about a piece of our story. I think the full story time would take too long right now, and we want to be a little more specific. So Chris, tell our listeners what specifically we're here to talk about today. Well, if this is your first episode, we'll give you a little bit of backstory for other folks that have been following us. They have a little bit more idea. Back here in June, uh, I really struggled. Uh, I've been a police officer for almost 19 years, uh, six years Air Force before that, and this summer I really started struggling with some of the things from work and eventually went away to a PTSD recovery center to take care of my brain and my body. And through that, Jamie and I have both gained a lot more awareness, um, more awareness of what's going on. And I honestly, Jamie, I considered both you and me, I already considered us emotionally intelligent people. I felt like we were too, and I felt like we were taking time to like dig in to disagreements and emotions, and there was more. Yes. So here's the beauty, I think, the thing to learn here is we're never done here, right? We're never done in this learning process of understanding ourselves better and each other. For sure. So I guess that's good and bad. If you think you figured out your spouse, just wait. Just give it a couple of years. Wait until the kids move out of the house and you're empty nesters. I've heard that's a, a fun, fun show sometimes. I wish we knew we were in the good times before the good times yeah. were over. <laughs> uh, thank you, Mac Lamore and Annie Bernard from The, the office. office. So, yeah, we wanted to talk about this story of, the, of us going through this process with a post-traumatic stress injury, post-traumatic stress disorder, whatever you want to call it. But we wanted to narrow it down to one area in particular because... This is an area that Jamie has seen stuff in me in the past, and I've felt it. But but when you don't have a name for something, and when you don't talk about it, you don't have it in your vernacular as a couple, I think it just goes, you're both left dealing with it, dealing with the aftermath, instead of actually working together to, to work through it. You know what I I don't, does that make sense, babe? The old dealing with it for me was to stuff and just not talk truly to fruition about what had happened and to move forward. And I always let time pass and then it seemed to dissolve a little bit of the angst and, and hard time that was there. It would go away until the next one. And specifically, Jamie recently had said to me that she felt like she was walking on eggshells. It wasn't just eggshells, though. As the spouse of someone with PTSD, um, it was this dance that I had choreographed. 
and I have Kleenexes for myself, and I didn't want to do that, but... I'm going to get her a Kleenex, folks. There we go. It was this dance that I would read off of his body language and mannerisms as he would come home. And I didn't... I knew I was doing it because I had been doing it. But the dance got exhausting. I could see when he would come home, quick, sharp movements, short answers in response to things. And I knew in the way he was moving and the way he was speaking that I would run interference between the girls and him. If they started up on a fight, I'd go close the door so he didn't hear it. If they were going to go complain about something and they were walking towards where he was, I would intercept it. And these are just a couple examples of this balance I was trying to keep that was eating me alive um, as I ran interference between normal life, like with the kids and parenting and what my husband was dealing with. So specifically, we wanted to kind of get at this thing, this this anxious feeling, this amped up feeling. And as I've gone through the healing process, some of the other clients that I was going through treatment with, and then even just talking with other first responders outside of that setting, I've I've heard it described as different things. I've heard it described as people's minds going 100 miles per hour. My mind's just going 100 miles per hour and I can't get it to slow down. And I think that's some of what Jamie was seeing in me when my mind was doing that because my movement would be, you know, my all my mannerisms would be amped up and going fast. And I didn't even always realize it. And then also as a first responder, whether you're in fire, corrections, law enforcement, military, dispatch, all these different, all these different jobs underneath this first responder and military umbrella, there's times that you get amped up. For me, particularly outside of the home, where I get amped up and I get feeling super anxious. And sometimes I can narrow it down to a specific cause and be like, okay, I'm amped up because of this. This person got me amped up. Other times it's not that specific. Other times it's just, you know, as a first responder, especially as a police officer, you get used to trying to read body language and, and, detect danger ahead of time so that you can be safe so that your partners can be safe or when you're with your family so that you can keep your family safe and the problem comes for me at least was when um, jamie and i were on a date last night and i'm in the bathroom at a local restaurant and i'm sizing this dude up thinking that maybe he's gonna assault me here in a second and i'm planning what i'm gonna do when he when he does that right and it's common for humans to maybe have those thoughts kind of run through your mind and, and it's, it's out of your mind for a second. Not a big deal when it gets you amped up and now you're anxious and now you're maybe acting more aggressive, maybe driving a car 15 miles per hour over the speed limit or more. Then I think that's where it becomes this big issue. I don't know. Do you think I've described that adequately, Jamie, or is there a more description that needs to go into what this looks like. I guess I'm trying to describe it from a first responder's perspective inside my skin where I just feel amped up all of a sudden, my heart rate's increased, my breathing's increased. I can just feel myself watching. I feel scared. 
That's what it is, folks. I'm scared. But that's not a safe emotion for, for us as humans typically to describe, especially not for guys. And if you're a female as a first responder, you can't say it either because then the males in your profession are going to think you're weak. So pretty much anyone in a first responder world, you can't say I'm scared typically, or at least you think you can't. So instead, we get aggressive. And I think from the spouse point of view, it's not even always, I wouldn't have been able to pinpoint and say, this is why you're acting the way you are. What I would usually see at the end of a day was a residual effect that was left on you. If you were still mulling something in your mind that had happened, I had no idea, but I was seeing it on you, the way you moved. And one of our um, couple counseling sessions while Chris was away in treatment, the counselor starts asking me, what was it about him that uh, I could tell? that there was something going on and that we were probably going to have problems. And I'm pretty sure I said to him, well, I don't want to say those out loud because they're, they're like my key to know what to do. I didn't want to share that. And, um, we're still working on it, but it takes trust to let the situation happen, whatever is going on to see how responses are going to go then. And so I have to trust that he's going to try and work through something if I bring it to him and trust that if it doesn't go great, we're going to work on it after that. Yeah. I get pretty frustrated with myself, especially over the last three or four months. You know, having, having this hypervigilance, and I think this goes for a lot of first responders, not just the like the street cop. Um, when I'm on the job and I actually detect danger, it really is kind of it feeds this. Yeah, I'm being I'm I'm aware. You know what I'm saying? And it makes me feel good about it. When my hypervigilance and this anxiety, this mind going at 100 miles per hour, when that is going on like in the home and it impacts the family, the kids, my wife. Now the narrative starts. I'm a failure. I'm a piece of crap. And I'm kind of PGing this up a little bit because that's not actually what I think. I'm a bad dad. I'm a bad husband. And these, these are false narratives. I think out of every human being I've ever met, none of them are at their core, bad. There's a lot of us that need to work through a lot of things, but most of us have done poor parenting. We've definitely not always shown up as as, as, a, as our best as spouses. We have failed at things, but we are not a failure. And But unfortunately, that's the narrative going through my mind now so just the other day, I mentioned jokingly about 15 miles per hour over the speed limit. We were driving down the road, and I'm not going to say the exact road because I don't want any listening law enforcement officer to be able to write me a ticket. Um, so I was driving down the road, and I started getting amped up over traffic. Like just, and this is not me. Like 
I don't remember getting amped up over traffic traffic before over just the, the vehicles that are moving around. And I start trying to get around and away from this group of cars. And at some point I'm going 15 miles per hour over the speed limit, which is just not me. Maybe some of you, that's the way you drive, whatever. I don't. So that's the problem here is the change. Maybe it's still a problem if you're doing it all the time. <laughs> but the point is I can talk about me here. So I, Jamie eventually says to me, hey, what's going on with the driving? And I was like, uh, I'm just trying to get away from these cars. Well, then after we got done with our errand and we're driving back home, she looked, you looked mad at me. And so I asked you, are you mad at me? And I told you, you're scaring me. I'm the problem. Jamie didn't just say I'm the problem. That's not what I'm getting at here, folks. This is the narrative now running through my mind. I am the problem. I'm supposed to protect my wife. She's supposed to feel safe around me. I am a failure. I'm a bad husband. I These negative, poisonous, recycled garbage narratives that are flowing through our minds, when, if that is what's happening in your life, is not helpful. It's not true. Okay, what was actually true? I was anxious. I was driving unsafe. And I scared my wife. I can fix that. I can apologize. I can start driving safe. I can implement some of my stress management skills to hopefully bring my anxiety levels down right now, or maybe just park the car for a little bit. So I'm sharing that piece of the story. I'm not proud of it. And I wish this wasn't happening still, right? Like I went to a PTSD recovery center. Like I'm supposed to walk out of there having it all together. No, I just walked out of there with a lot more awareness about me and a lot more awareness about how many layers of stuff I still need to work on. And full transparency, um, him being gone was really hard and I didn't have to carry it for those days he was gone. And for that, I was really grateful. And I feel a little bit of guilt saying that. Don't feel guilty, girl. And when he got home, it was like honeymoon for a week. And everything was great. And then we started on a roller coaster. And even now, still roller coaster with different things, different situations. And I had somewhere I was going with that. It was somewhere deep, too. Yeah. I can tell. <laughs> I remember telling Chris on one of these roller coasters, I had thought that you being away was the really hard part. And then once we got back together, like it was just going to be easy. But I think this is the hard part. Being home together and like working to heal working to communicate again, working to communicate differently. Yeah. So there's a lot of Saturdays. It just seems to be the day that we usually unpack things that our kids will come down and we will be usually me with Kleenexes. And they're wondering, are you okay? 
yes, I'm okay. We're putting in some work right now to learn how to communicate with each other in a healthy way and not stuff things, which is quite honestly what I want to do. And we tried it. Well, we said we were going to do it. And then that week just kind of blew up and it was like, crap, we're just, we're just bringing it out. One week we decided we weren't going to talk about any tough things. We weren't going (laughs) to go deep for a week. And that lasted for like two days. And, Maybe. And instantly we were talking about something deep and then we were in a conflict about, oh, I thought we weren't going to talk about deep stuff this week. And oh, it's, it's not easy. Here's our motivation folks. Like obviously I'm probably the more open one on like social media, putting all this stuff out there. My motivation in this is I get home from Deer Hollow. People reach out to me, get together. They share what they got going on. Jamie and I do a podcast. People reach out, tell us what they got going on. We just, we're constantly getting this snapshot of the fact that there's a lot of folks out there that are, that are struggling. And for good reason, it's been a tough few years, like for everyone in our society. Now you go the, go and throw these first responder jobs on top of it, where because of your job, there's been changes in your brain that cause you to respond to stress differently. And we don't want people having to muck through this as long as we mucked through it. We want people, one, putting into their lives resources. I don't like the word resource there. Practices? Tools. Tools, tools, practices. We want you to have things that you can put into place that are going to help you work through your family life. If you're in a relationship, whether it be married or significant relationship, we want you to work through those relationships and to have better outcomes. We had, I think we did have good tools, but we still weren't, we still weren't, we we still weren't getting to the root cause of this stuff. We weren't getting as real. I think I saw you cry like eight times in the first 24 years of our marriage. Yeah. And you've cried eight times this week, I think. Totally. I hate it. Yeah, I don't like it at all. I know you love it and you embrace a good I love tear. it because I see you feeling. Whereas before in our marriage, I would cry and you wouldn't. And I didn't see you. It, I didn't see stuff connecting with you. And I, I, I guess I feel like we're, we're getting to the stuff because of the fact that I see tears in you. So... But yeah, because of you, our listeners, because of people who reach out to us and talk with us and trust us with their story, we just know that there's a lot of folks out there struggling and we don't want you to struggle in silence. We want you to have stuff that you can do as a couple. You don't have to go to a PTSD recovery center uh, to deal with it. Although I think that should be on the table. I think anyone should be willing to do that, willing to do anything to heal their brains and to have better relationships. And I don't think most people need to do that. I think most people could probably put other things into place that will help them deal with the day-to-day and not let it mount up. And where we got to is, what are you willing to do to be healthy, to live in full color? What are you willing to do? Are you willing to leave your family for a while? Are you willing to leave a profession that you loved? 
Are you willing to lay down yourself and get the help that you need? Are you willing to not go on family vacation? How extreme are you willing to be? Because that's where we were. And it took um, some people, a person in Chris's life, to say, you need to go and you need to go now, regardless of anything else, just go. I would say for the first responders listening, and actually, I guess this goes for the spouses as well, because the spouses are taking in trauma too, um, vicariously, but you're still taking in trauma and it's still impacting you. It, if you're struggling, you need to be willing to talk to someone. I made a call. Now, I had other people that I had talked with, but I called someone who I knew had already walked this walk. And when I called him and, and unloaded on him, he, w- he was the one that said, Chris, you need to go. You need to go now. You shouldn't wait until after the vacations. So who do you have in your life? I think that's the first thing you have to have. You have to have people in your life that when you're struggling, you're going to call these people and you trust them. When they tell you, you need to go, you're not going to blow them off. You trust this person, with dis- that they have discernment, that they have wisdom, that they they care about you as a man or as a woman. You got to have those people. And I would say, hopefully you have a handful of those kind of people in your life. Three, four, five that you could call, you could unload on, they're going to listen, they're going to empathize, and then they're going to give you some really solid direction. Since we are doing this unscripted, we really don't have the points here that we're going to say. That was That's one though that I would say. You have to have to be willing to make the make the call, go over to the person's house, make the connection, be honest about what's actually going on, how you're actually doing, and then be willing to listen to that person when they give you some advice. What are other things that we can do both as the first responder and spouse? Do you think if someone has this this hypervigilant, this anxiety, this 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 constant unsettledness within them, nervousness. I think a a message to note is that you're okay. You're yeah. okay. You're and you're not alone. Yeah. Because I think I felt really alone by choice. Because I was nervous about what this meant and nervous about what people might think. Um, but I think it's important to know that you're not alone and you're okay. Yeah, I think that's a good one. Super normal. Normal thing that's happening inside of you because of the not normal job experience. And there's a lot of folks that are there with you. That, that was one comfort I actually had at an inpatient recovery center was all these other men and women that, that I quickly learned to respect due to their, their honesty, their, their willing willingness to be vulnerable, to share kind of the deepest and darkest. And, uh, and the fact that I just saw them doing really hard work. They were in the same boat as me. They were going to do really hard work to sit there and heal their brain and be 
better in all the roles of their life. One thing that Jamie and I have done, we talked to, I don't know what episode it was, episode three, five, seven, one of those episodes, we talked about communication and there's all kinds of different formats that if you follow them, you might have better conversation, communication with your spouse. We got a hold of one. I had my, my roommate at, at impatient, give me something called a couple log and this is a, a form done up by an organization called Stronger Families. And really all it is is just good communication. This is what Jamie and I have done now. I don't know how many times, girl. I don't know, probably six. And like in essence, it's like passing the talking stick back and forth. Yeah. And when you don't have the talking stick, you're listening. You're asking follow-up questions, making sure that you understand fully. You're maybe even repeating some of the stuff. So what you're saying is, and making sure that you're actually hearing it right. And then empathizing. Wow. That, and we've talked about that here on the podcast before. Wow. If I were in your shoes from what you just described to me experience wise, I would feel the same as you. And then eventually after you fully understand the person, you ask the magic question. Is there anything more? And if there's something more then I say it then, otherwise, now Jamie he passes has, the talking stick. Jamie gets the talking stick. And and it felt the first couple of times we did this for me, it felt mechanical. Fa- mechanical. That's a good way of saying it. It wasn't <laughs> fake. It felt mechanical. We were, I was, I think he was too, reading from a script on what do I do next. And I was like, please hold for a second while I look and see what I need to say next. So it felt mechanical until we figured it out. Yeah. So I don't know whether you need that or not, folks. That has helped us because, again, if you're a first responder or a spouse and you're having, you're riding this anxiety roller coaster, you're walking on eggshells, you're all these things that we've described that was going on in our home, you're going to need some kind of tool to help you talk about it. You're going to have to get curious. Why do you feel that way? Why are you anxious when you go to the grocery store? It's okay. It's a normal response. But why? And, and, and get curious and figure out what the cause is. My guess is, well, I can't speak for you. For me, most of the time I was afraid. I was afraid of something bad happening. I was afraid of something bad happening to my family. I've been afraid that my wife's going to leave me. Jamie's never said anything that made me think that. But that's just a root fear. And so when I'm afraid, my brain gets anxious to try to solve the problem so that fear, so I, I don't feel afraid anymore. So the couple log has helped us to, to work through communication with each other. And, uh, yeah, I think it's valuable. Do we have any other, what did we talk about so far here? We talked about the couple log. Talked about having someone to confide in. Make, make the call. I feel like you said something in the middle there. This is what we get for not having a checklist. Yeah. Okay. We talked about making the call and having someone. Yeah. We talked about knowing that you're not alone. There we go. Yes. And that you're okay. Yep. This is normal. Yep. And then 
having a tool to communicate with each other. And then I threw in the getting curious too, figure out what it, where it came from. I like it. Is it like impossible to script a call to action since this is totally unscripted? Got to have a call to action, folks, don't we? <laughs> I'm putting a lot of pressure on the girl here. He is. I hate the unscripted. She's but super cute right now, though, when I do stuff like this to her. Here we go. The call to action today is to know that you can do this. You and your spouse are strong and you're not alone. Thank you for joining us today on this episode of Marriage Mondays. We want to hear from you. How are we doing here on the podcast, folks? There's different ways for you to communicate back to us. First and foremost, please follow us on whatever podcast platform you're consuming this on. That will cause the next episode to come up. You can also rate and review us if you're listening on Spotify or Apple. There's five stars waiting on our main page. We'd really appreciate a five-star rating if if we've earned those five stars, folks. If we haven't, keep your stars. Instead, shoot us an email at chris at gravityct.com. Let us know how to make it better, future marriage money topics, or guests for me to interview. Remember, friends, getting married is easy. Staying married is real tough. So go and love well.